Hey, this is Kara from Ruminate, and you're listening to Questionable Food. What we find, the trends start on the coast, and that's also where the biggest demand is. So if you live in California, it's way easier to find organics. It's way easier to find those types of products. So we rely on our suppliers to bring them into the Midwest and then bring them to us. So when we're working out of a limited number of supply houses, a crisis like we just went through, it's really difficult to all of a sudden reach out and have those other sources. This episode, I'm chatting with two gentlemen from Harvest Health Foods, a local health-focused grocery chain in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Howard Atzma, the Director of Operations, and Mitchell Knoll, the Director of Information Technology and Supplement Purchasing, walk us through how supply chain disruptions due to COVID-19 are uniquely impacting the Midwest and the shift of grocery shopping to a digital experience. Thank you so much for chatting with me today, guys. Howard, you're really an inspiring fount of wisdom on local and healthy foods. Mitch, I'm really excited to kind of get to meet you for the first time and chat with you today. So I remember specifically chatting with Howard maybe almost a year ago about, you know, social media, and he was able to look through the comments and kind of know, oh, yeah, that person's a regular, this person's new. We also talked a lot about kind of those tight-knit and really supportive relationships that Harvest Health has with its vendor partners. Overall, Harvest Health is definitely very community-driven, and that's the sense that I've gotten. Can you guys share a little bit about, you know, your role in the community and kind of also, given the, the current times amidst our pandemic, that you've seen perhaps changes in those relationships or how your community has shifted in any way, if it has? Well, one of the things that we've always had at Harvest Health Foods is a community, it's kind of a safe zone. Some of our customers don't really have a place to talk about their health, their diet, uh, some of their habits outside of our four walls so when they come in they feel uh, kind of a relief that they can they can talk about things that are gluten-free or they can talk about some natural things they're doing for their body that maybe they can't with their friends or their other family members but as we got into this pandemic it feels like um, I have customers who their their uh, spouse doesn't allow them to go to any other store only our store. So they trust that we are doing what we say we're doing mm. and that we have a maybe a bit healthier environment than, uh, than a mass market or a big box store. Uh, so the conversations are similar, but maybe a little more pointed during a situation like we have today. That's really interesting. I mean, can you chat a little bit about that trust and kind of building that trust and what, what you feel kind of gives that to folks? I think part of that trust is not just us, but it's also the brands and the farmers and the folks who supply us. So our, our hardcore customers know our brands and they know where a lot of our products come from and they trust those companies. So we're part of a bigger, uh, bigger picture. We're just kind of their entry point to that bigger picture. And talking a little bit kind of about the business now, are you seeing any supply chain issues or how are those shaping out? Yeah, yeah. I, I you know, obviously we're well connected with other um, vendors that we work really well with. Um, on our side of things, I think 
we buy from uh, UNFI, United Natural Foods, um, and they're obviously one of the large uh, distribution centers. And I think for them, first off, it hit everyone. It hit all grocery stores so fast. Yeah. And then obviously everyone's orders just exploded. So, you know, we're trying to order as much as we can. Um, and so then their warehouses just got depleted real quick. And then obviously they need to fill those warehouses. So we had, you know, the first couple of weeks we had a lot out of stocks and they're slowly refilling things. Um, but I have a good friend who works for uh, Superior Foods and they do a lot of um, meat and seafood and a whole bunch of other stuff. And they do a lot with food service, so more restaurant style stuff. Um, but luckily they're selling a lot to us right now, but they're having issues, you know, getting their meats in and whatnot. Um, and we're having issues getting meats in just because... Um, there was also there's this mass need for all these meats. And then, you know, they go to their farmers and say, Hey, you guys, we got to produce meat. And so they're like, yeah, we'll produce this. You know, you can only raise so many cows and so many pigs so quickly. And so, you know, they're trying to up their production. We're trying to up our production. So it's just everyone, you know, trying to up production as fast as they can. And then just the supply chains, it just slowly slows down and, you know, everyone's trying to do as much as they can, but it just, Overall, it just it's taking a lot longer to get product in, um, and we know that is an issue. And you know, all of our customers, I think, know that too, and they know everyone's busy, so it's not an issue um, at store level. But I think supply chain, they're you know, with not having restaurants open, you know, they're throwing a lot of stuff out. But then we can also kind of pick up on those needs where um, they usually sell to restaurants. We can pick up all their their sales there too. So it's kind of a you know lose-lose for some, win-win for others. So it's 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 a tough market right now. Yeah, and to add to that, our, our challenge is that we have a food standard that we work by, and we maintain, we're maintaining that through this. So um, even on a good day, we have trouble getting some of the good, clean products that we really like to sell. So this has thrown kind of a curveball at that. Um, and we're seeing that those those supply chains are trying to adjust to that, which um, is good. So we're seeing uh, some of those things, like the folks who usually supply restaurants, trying to be able to service us a little bit differently. Mm-hmm. So we're trying to work with them and um, and work through that. But but again, with the standards we have. We, we are still just maintaining that. So I think that's part of that trust with our customers too. They might see something new on the shelf, but they also trust that it's going to be um, fit our profile. Can you share a little bit more about the standards and how that is sort of playing out in, in these, maybe some examples of some products that are, you know, can be hard to come by, but are perhaps under a little bit more strain now? Or Yeah, I can hit a little bit on it. Um, like the big side of thing is, you know, meat and produce. Um, obviously produce, we only offer uh, USDA certified organic produce. Um, so we have a lot of people saying like, Hey, we can get you all the produce you need. But for us, it's like, we only sell organic. And so they're like, all right, well, we have limited SKUs and we really can't fill that right now. Um, but then the meat side of things, we, you know, we try to keep it, uh, USDA organic, if not hundred percent grass fed, um, raised without antibiotics, uh, without, uh, hormones. Uh, and that is hard to find some meats like that, especially these days. Um, just try to find a lot of clean meats. Um, and being in the Midwest too, sometimes we we struggle with getting um, good quality meats, just because I feel like around here, you know, that whole organic craze or grass fed craze really hasn't hit us yet. 
So for folks that are maybe a little bit unfamiliar with kind of the dynamics of access to grass-fed meats based on your area and kind of the based on the consumption of your area, can you share a little bit about kind of why it might be harder to get it in Grand Rapids, Michigan versus somewhere else? What we find, the trends start on the coast, and that's also where the biggest demand is. So if you live in California, it's way easier to find organics. It's way easier to find those types of products. Yeah. So we rely on our suppliers to bring them into the Midwest and then bring them to us. So when we're working out of a limited number of supply houses, a crisis like we just went through, it's really difficult to all of a sudden reach out and have those other sources. So we we have local farmers that would like to do more things cleaner, but they even have trouble finding feed that's clean. So if you try to find, let's say, a soybean that's a non-GMO to feed your chickens, it's really difficult in this market. Oh, that's really interesting. So so we do have a farmer who raises uh, poultry for us, uh, but that's one of his challenges. He can get a non-GMO corn, but he can't get a non-GMO soy. Um, and even the non-GMO corn, uh, because they don't raise much of it in this market, it's not as... Um, it's just not as profitable for the farmers to raise it, so um, it's a it's a it's kind of a tough thing. So again, when that main supplier has everyone doubling and tripling orders for two or three weeks, um, they actually our, our main supplier was taking our orders and then um, just deciding what they were going to send us. So for the first couple of weeks of this, um, we didn't know what was going to show up. Uh, we might have gotten 25, 30%, maybe 50% of our orders. Wow. Uh, that's, starting to clean, that's starting to clear up now. Um, if you walk through our store, you'll see it looks like we have full shelves. We, of course, know where the holes are, um, but it's, it's much better now, but it has been a, a real challenge. And you talked about it kind of like getting better over time. I mean, depending on what data sources you're looking at, it's, well, we might be in this scenario and through the summer, some even say, you know, well, what's not going to get back to normal for a year or two? Do you think that the supply chains will adjust quickly? Or do you think that it's a little bit bulkier of a system that might take a longer period of time? Or what are your thoughts on kind of that rebound? I think it'll adjust a little bit quicker. Um, at the very beginning, I think we had so many people that were so scared right away. And then the light know, switched on and it was just like, oh, my gosh, you know, we're in a pandemic. What do we do? No one no one really knows how to act. And so then you're just, you know, trying to form your own own opinion. But then also you read everything on the news. And, you know, we had a couple supplement companies, you know, email us and be like, we only had 10 of our 150 employees show up at our warehouse. Wow. So we're not going to be able to ship, you know, for a week. And it's like wow, like, what do we do? You know, how do we work with them to get our product? And, you know, after a couple of weeks, all of a sudden, you know, these people start to come back and they're like, okay, you know, if I'm fine, we're fine. We'll all work through this together. So I think that initial warehouse closing down, um, even, you know, some of the manufacturing plants closing down, I think, you know, they're all starting to come to light and everyone's starting to come back to work. And I think it'll just slowly trickle effect, you know, as everyone starts to come back to work, it'll just pick up faster and faster and faster. And we've already seen it now, you know, we're going back, we're having 
close to normal shipping rates on some of our supplement companies and our grocery uh, distribution companies, we are getting a higher fill rate than we were. I mean, you know, 30, 40, 50% is not ideal at all. But now, you know, we're getting back up to the 60 and 70. And I think just as everything starts to open up, um, just the whole supply chain will increase and uh, just start to run run a little bit better than it was. Mm-hmm. To add to that, I think where we'll see more long-term are some of the seasonal-type products, things that you can't grow year-round, uh, some of the herbs, some of the things that um, we always see seasonal shifts. I think this year we may just see uh, longer stretches where a seasonal item might be out of stock. But I see our vendors all reacting where they can and certainly not living in fear of this becoming a long-term problem. And we've chatted about how there's two trends happening, you know, the stockpiling and then also the increased eating at home. If you kind of look at the data, that's like Nourish Organic saw a 30% increase in March, but like also, you know, Prego Pasta saw saw a 52% increase something that I thought was interesting was Yelp released a coronavirus impact report that showed searches for CSAs up by 579%, which is quite significant. And I think kind of also indicative of perhaps a stronger focus on local as you hear in the news about bigger supply chains breaking down. Do you guys think that the current crisis might impact how people eat in the long term or maybe change people's minds that we're thinking uh, certain ways about what they eat? I have an opinion about that. I think that there are families who have not spent a lot of time in their kitchen in years and are rediscovering it and finding out that you can make a meal and you can have some family time around the table. Uh, So I feel that that's going to shift people to buy more groceries and maybe kind of appreciate that family time or time actually preparing the food and putting it on the table. So I'm hopeful that we're going to see a trend on the grocery side that's going to stick with us. What are your thoughts, Mitch? You know, I have a whole bunch of friends and know we've talked about all this and a couple of my friends, you know, they eat out a lot. And not being able to eat out, they're like, man, we're cooking at home. But then all of a sudden they talk about, well, I made salmon, I made I made burgers, I made brats. You know, they're talking about all these things that they're making at home and they just never used to do that in the past. And so I'm hoping they, I'm hoping a lot of, you know, those families do hold on to, you know, cooking in the home. And we are, you know, we call ourselves more of the ingredient store. Yeah. And a lot of people, I mean, they're shopping and they're buying ingredients and they're baking and cooking and preparing meals. And I do hope that does you know, continue throughout the summer and into next year and, and whatnot, as people see, like, you know, I don't have to eat out all the time and I can make a really, really good meal at home. And, you know, I don't have to go sit at a restaurant for an hour and wait for it. Howard, you and I have chatted before about the chain of behavior change. So we're talking here about how people are eating more at home. And do you have thoughts and Mitch, do you have thoughts as well about how just the sheer eating at home might lead more toward people kind of thinking about and purchasing and consuming the the products that you guys specifically sell that do focus more on health. Yeah, I would say that we're going to see a trend. You know, you mentioned something about CSAs. When it comes to food and quality, I think people realize that if they can buy food that's close to home, 
that tend to improve the quality. So I believe that if there's a trend in, uh, let's say, an uptick in CSAs, I think that would be related to freshness, knowing your farmer, you can drive by the farm, you can visit. I think that's a, a really positive trend. People eat out a lot. One of the things you're always looking for is quality. Well, when you realize that you can buy really high quality food and prepare it and support your neighbor at the same time, I think that will be an outcome of this whole pandemic. Completely. Let us hope, but I think the trends are heading in that direction too. So let's talk a little bit about like the change in the grocery buying experience. Harvest Cart's an online ordering system that you guys launched last year. When was that? Yeah, we we did, uh, it was more uh, September. We kind of did like a soft launch, mm-hmm. like, hey, we're going to put it on our website. We're not going to tell anyone about it. We're just going to see how it works. We'll, you know, we'll check Google Analytics and see you know, who goes on there. And then we really kind of pushed, it was more November, December when we actually started to push um, and start advertising Harvest Cart. So yeah, it was still pretty fresh to us. So tell me a little bit about watching those Google Analytics during your stealth mode and and what, what happened come March. Yeah. Um, so yeah, when we first started, you know, we kind of laughed because a lot of the Google Analytics were all coming from Hudsonville and that's where our HQ is. That's where uh, my office is. So mostly it's us, you know, going on there, checking things and our employees checking things. Um, but then as September kind of rolled through and got in October, you know, we started seeing a lot more people go on there. And then January and February, you know, we'd have three or four a day kind of trickle through. And then once March hit, it went from three, four a day to uh, we were doing 80 a day mm-hmm. and at just one store. And then all of a sudden it was like, we're doing, you know, 120, 140 a day, 150 wow. Yeah. And it just, it, it got insane. And so then, you know, we had to kind of pump the brakes and say, all right, well, we also have to look at our customers in the store and we still have to be able to provide them service. So we started to limit the number of orders per window pickup time. And that has, that definitely helped out just with store level um, stress, as well as uh, just the overall impact in the stores. Uh, so it's, yeah, we were, we're very fortunate and blessed that we Back in September, we you know kind of pushed this through, and we had an idea how it ran and everything. And now, now it's a very well-oiled machine, as you could say. Let's chat a little bit about any impacts to labor, your staff during this crisis. Yeah, we um, we found that as this pandemic progressed, we had employees who had issues with, and I'm sure you guys can relate to this. Everyone has something in their life that's related to this pandemic. Yeah. So as employees, everybody had something. They had an elderly parent, they had a young child, they had a school child, they had, you know, multiple generations living in the same house. So when you work in a retail establishment, we're pretty vulnerable. You know, we're putting ourselves out there. And so we had to work through each of these individuals situations. So we were, I'd say, losing, you know, not really losing people, but we were allowing, hey, you need to take care of that. Give us a call when, when you get that straightened out or when you feel comfortable and uh, come back to work. So as that ramped up, we were also losing our labor. Yeah. So we're operating right now shorthanded at all three stores. So as that was happening, we said, hey, we need a little bit of a break. So by reducing our hours... We kept our staff coming in at the same times. We just allowed them time to clean, 
to reorganize the store, to put groceries out, to pick harvest card orders. So they have a little bit of time that's, I'd say it's called downtime, where they don't have the phone ringing and customers there. So that was really helpful on the stress side of our staff to be able to come in and say, normally come in at like 8 o'clock, we open at 9, now it's coming at 8, and we have till 10 to kind of get ready, and then um, off we go. So it's been um, a challenge for everyone to try to pick up that extra business, not business necessarily, just activity level yeah and do it and still be able to go home at night and be a dad or a mom or a sister or brother or whatever you had to be yeah so it's, it's a balance that's been a, a real challenge i imagine that they're all thankful that it's a balance that you are willing to take on i'm sure that's not uh, or I, I know that's not the case for for everyone yeah we've had we've had a lot of employees you know come and say like we're not going to close are we we're not going to close and we're like no absolutely like you know, we, we talk about so much with community and it's like, no, this is this is when our community needs us the app like the most. This is when we need to be here for everyone that walks in the door. We just need to be a smiling face and and I, I have to our employees have just been absolutely phenomenal through all this. Like everyone's happy. Most days everyone's happy and everyone's trying to get through this together and um yeah, just to be that person for, you know, those people that walk into the door and you know, are very scared or nervous or something. And just to see us smile and be like, no, we can help you through it. It's, you know, we'll, we'll all get through this together. I think it's, it's been a blessing. Absolutely. We have experience over the years, people who aren't well and they shop with us and not everyone, when you're not well, it's hard to, um, I mean, when you interact with other people, uh, sometimes it's um, their illness or their fears or their whatever come through and it seems like right now everyone has the opportunity to be fearful and and all that so we continue to try to be that safe spot for people but that is a bit of a challenge so we do get some occasional customer who you know might be unhappy with us and give us some feedback but then on the other hand we have some awesome customers who um, in fact, just this week, we had a customer order pizza and send it over to one of our stores because they were just grateful for us being there. So, so one, we're trying to be there for the folks who are stressed and who have um, issues, but then we also just really appreciate the folks who come in and, and just love us, you know, and they're more, they, they're very expressive. They let us know how much they appreciate us and that. So that, that's what keeps us going. I, Thing Mitch related to, you know, we're here for the community, and um, we hear that it comes through really strong from those customers who just appreciate the fact that um, we are here, we have good, healthy products for them, and, um, and we're not going anywhere. Well, I can't thank you both enough for spending time chatting with me today, and also thank you for for being that rock in your in your communities that's that's really important work. To learn more about the history of Harvest Health Foods, follow the link available in this episode's description or visit them at harvesthealthfoods.com.